tuned in to this episode of Pacey Performance Bite Size. So this clip comes from David Slemon, and David is a founding partner at Elite Performance Partners who do big recruiting jobs in various different sports across the world. And it comes from episode number 322. But before we dive into the clip which where David explains around the influence of social media on getting a job or in some cases not getting a job, I want to say a big thanks to Rock Daisy for sponsoring this episode today. So if you haven't heard of Rock Daisy, they are an athlete management system who have the only free AMS on the market, which is AMS Lite. So if you're looking for somewhere to collect some data, visualize the data and present it to coaches, check out AMS Lite. So the first place you go, like anyone goes, when they're trying to find someone's name who works at a certain club, same thing when you're doing a search. You're going to yeah. go on Twitter, Instagram, see what people are see what people are writing, go on podcast, listen to podcasts, read blogs, whatever it may be, to get a feel, yeah. of these, feel for these people. I'd be interested to see some of the, have people been ruled out because of social media presence, what they've been how oh, yeah. they've been coming across? Yeah, okay. Of course, absolutely, of course. I, I, and it's really naive to think that people wouldn't be. Because yep. we've seen, you know, if you were to say what's the most important trait in a kind of potential leader or in the better people, I'd put self-awareness pretty high. And I think, you know, if you don't realize the impact it's having on you of you calling somebody out or sort of complaining or taking a view, even if you're right, it doesn't really matter. If you if you're open to criticizing somebody online, you've got to realize that if you're going to do it publicly, there's every chance you're doing it privately too. So yeah, of course it is. I'm not saying it definitely does, and I think we'd always try and give benefit of the doubt to if there's one thing that some somebody did, you know. And I think people get ruled out really quickly, so you've got to be careful and you've got to try and take it in context. But yeah, of course. I mean, when you've got to narrow it down to only one role and one person will get a role. If there's a reason to rule people out, you actually do need some. So, so, so yeah, big poll, big poll, big poll yeah. few jobs. Yeah. You yeah. to check someone off with yeah. a few of abusive, I mean, abusive tweets. Sometimes. Well, yeah, yeah, of course. And I just think if we're looking at the softer skills and if self-awareness and emotional intelligence is, are two of them, there's some people who are clearly showing a lack of both of those things. <laughs> um, and not that there's anything wrong with being passionate. You know, there's a, and I guess any strength overplay can be a weakness. So, it doesn't mean that you can't, you know, tame that or or rein it in a bit. But and we want passionate people who care. You know, people who care are, is also massively important. But yeah, I, I think it, to the direct question, does it rule people out? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Just thinking about different sports, and you obviously work across different sports. And yeah. probably ten years ago, if you worked in football, you were staying in football. If you worked in rugby, you were staying in rugby. That's changing. People are moving from. Rugby to football, football yeah. to rugby, Olympic sports, yeah, yes, all that kind of stuff. Where do you see the land lie when it comes to when it comes to that? Is that still happening? Are people still very, or even more, um, happier to to look outside of their outside of their sport? And is that a positive thing? Could that be seen as a potential negative thing? What's what's your feeling? What's your feeling with that? Yeah, I mean, from my point of view, from our point of view and the way we look at it, it's overwhelmingly positive. If you've got people who are curious, who want to learn, who are willing to look outside of their, call it their comfort zone or their specific sport, not to say that um, somebody who's been at a club for 10 years hasn't 
got a real breadth of experience and diversity of understanding of, of different people and different environments. But, you know, 10 years experience is very different to, you know, one year, 10 times. And I think, you know, we do look, when you look at kind of, if you were to look at kind of like, we call it a comb now. So you've got more generalisms in your, in your kind of in the teeth, and then you've got the overarching um, kind of, I guess, handle would be the softer skills and the, and the, the leadership traits, but we'd also look at kind of breadth of experience and, and the you know, high performance culture, the environment really does dictate behavior. And I think the more that you can be in, the better. So if you go from, if you look at somebody like a, a, a Bryce Kavanagh, who we you know placed at the FA, he would have gone from when we first looked at his, found his profile and he went on the long list I know he got the role, so this is maybe hindsight, but you kind of, you look at him and you go, he has gone from Aussie rules to West Indies cricket to Munster rugby. Now, I can't think of specifically Munster and West Indies cricket, two more different environments. And I would say for anybody going through, so I would imagine he'd have a quite an interesting balance view and he'd be fairly reflective and he is. Um, And I think, Early on in your career, if you can, you know, it's difficult, I guess, when you get a bit older and you have families, but if you can go and experience a different environment, a different sport, maybe a different culture, and realize that there are different ways to do things. Because I think people do get set in a certain way of doing mm-hmm. stuff. And especially, you know, football gets a bit of criticism wrongly. I think all sports, are, a lot of other sports are, are as bad um, of this is the way we do things, you know. And I look at just my experience of playing rugby in the premiership in England and then going to Ireland. And it being so different. I mean, and I was so arrogant that we did it the right way in England. And then you go to Ireland and you realize, oh, this, and it worked better for me there. And you're like, and I think that's absolutely true of a practitioner. And if you're planning a career, um, and I think you absolutely should, you know, um, a lot of people don't and they're happy with that and that's fine. But, um, you know, you need to go on a journey. And that's an actual journey <laughs> um, to, to develop those skills. And you don't have to, of course you don't. Um, but yeah, we'd be big, big advocates for people you know, trying their hand at different things. And, and it does stand out on people's CVs if it's a, a, you know, a, as a starting point. How do people go about planning a career? What would be the first, what would be the first step? Have you seen, have you seen people do that really positively or really well yeah. in the past? Yeah, I think, I guess if you look at kind of closer to the start, I think one of the keys is not to specialize too early or not to be, of course you can have a specialism, but don't be wedded to say one philosophy or one sport or one person. I mean, you want mentors and you want people that you can call on and to get advice from. And there you'll have people who are further ahead of your career that you want to maybe emulate or certain traits that you want to pick up, but don't be too rigid in kind of in that. And I think, and you can in early in your career, there's nothing wrong, you know, there's nothing wrong with moving around a bit if you can explain why. You know, we get and it, it happens quite a lot, is that you like, I've been here for one year and I hate it, but I know it'll look bad on my CV if I don't stay here for two. And I'm like, I promise you, if you stay here for two, it'll look much worse <laughs> than if you leave, because you clearly hate it and you yeah. don't and you know, and so there's nothing wrong. I mean, of course, if somebody's been for 10 years and they've been in every role for one <laughs> in, <laughs> issue. You know, yeah, issue exactly it's different but i think if somebody's curious and open and explains you know there's nothing wrong with being ambitious too 
You know, players are, and from our experience, the SNC guys, the, the senior performance people, the physio, they're just as ambitious and they're in the performance space too. There's nothing wrong with that and there's nothing wrong with showing it. Um, and and being open about it. You know, some people will call us and say, I'm quite happy here. Uh, I'm more than happy here to stay for a bit longer, but I know that for my career to develop, I probably need to think about my next step. And the, the gap I have is I haven't done this and I haven't done it in this environment. So they're proactive about it. They're aware of their weaknesses and they're quite, you know, they're quite humble. They, they, they know not, they haven't got all the answers. So, um, yeah. Self-awareness again. Yeah. Knowing yeah. what you don't know and yeah. know where the gap is. And the fact is the further you go, the more senior you get, the less you realize you do know. You know, there's more certainty when you're further down. And I think, you know, I happened to have a conversation yesterday with somebody who would be a senior kind of physical performance uh, guy who's gravitated into leadership role. He's worked across different geographies and and he, it was just really nice. And that was one of those conversations of him calling and going, what do you think? And, you know, th- this guy is outstanding. You know, and I know he is because I know some of the athletes that he's coached as it happened. And you're like, but he was totally willing to learn and he was curious about for some reason what I had to say, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but And it's just, so it's just really interesting. The best people that tend to be like that is they want to learn and they don't pretend to have all the answers. Um, and I think if you can have that as a philosophy, I think there's a balance of you, know, you want to, you kind of, you want to, contribute as much as you learn and you want to learn as much as you contribute there's kind of there's a balance there which is there's an inevitable tension but um yeah yeah so just coming on to wages salaries mm. always a always a contentious issue in the yeah. performance performance coaching world so there's 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 multiple reasons why people think that performance coaches aren't remunerated how they should be whether that be supply versus demand whether that be lack of understanding from administration uh, an inability to put a be objective of whether someone's good or not what's you what's your view from coming from the other other side like i mentioned right at the start coming from the organization side hmm. why do you why do you think that is from from your experience and the people you've spoken to it's tough isn't it uh and it does seem unfair at a certain level i think i guess there is a kind of certain supply and demand issue in that there's plenty of people who are willing to take a job for less to get a chance and you know good for them and and fair enough i think there's it's really interesting we had a chat about this today actually because you know we'd had a chat a couple of weeks ago and it's something that does come up and i think it's something that's mentioned quite a lot uh and people are very passionate about this space and they'd be possibly open um, to, to, to not be paid what they deserve or what they feel they deserve. But there is maybe an onus also on the industry to maybe, how to put this politely or, or, conci- or concisely, is that the people who pay you, they don't understand the impact they have that you have, okay? Um, and if they did, they'd pay you more. So how often do you actually engage with the commercial arm or the business arm to explain that? Um, and that might be not possible, but actually it is possible. Um, and, you know, one of the roles that we've actually led on is there's very rarely a voice on the board for performance people. 
there's very rarely anybody who's got any background in it. We did a role recently for a Premiership rugby team of a non-exec board director, a board member, sorry, with a performance background to help people understand the impact people have. And I think it, you know, it's just disgraceful is a strong word, but it, it's shocking the disparity between coaches and some of the other performance staff when arguably the physical performance staff or, or whatever it might be will have a bigger impact on performance than some of the coaches. And yet the disparity in, in pay um, is huge. And so I'd say that um, there might be something that needs to be done within the industry to fight for that bit. It, you know, Ultimately, it lacks champions at the top level. Um, and, and equally, there's a responsibility partly, and I don't want to sound, please don't cut this, so this is the only thing that I say. <laughs> but <laughs> I, think, I think there is, we have seen a lot of people who are just grateful for having the for, for doing something that they love. And so people are almost accepting of less and people are passionate about the space. And yeah, there's a there's a supply issue and maybe somebody there's always somebody who's willing to do it for less. But I'm amazed how often we've seen a situation where you know people um will say they have a fixed budget, but when you go back with an argument of why somebody should be paid more, it can be it can move and people have found it. And so it's it's similar to uh, I guess it is a similar issue to the to point around mo- people moving into consult consultancy space, um, and suddenly having to be their own CEO of their own business. You know, people don't do it that well. I'm not saying that. Funny enough, some of them some people do do it very well, and you you get people who suddenly are, are getting paid twenty times more than the practitioner one below them, and yet they're that you know, there's an onus on those people to pull up the rest of them below. You know, and I think pe- more people should do that really. Um, so I'm not, I, I don't know. I'm just reflecting. I don't, that's not a, a direct answer, but um, it's not a simple issue. But I think the more representation of a performance person on a board could be something of somebody just really understanding the disparity between certain coaching and, and some of these performance functions is wrong, arguably. Um, so yeah, as I say, don't don't cut that to make that one statement look uh, too controversial. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> already been done. Already noted. <laughs> Wonder what um, you <laughs> So, in terms of the, the the people on the ground who are trying to have influence up the mm. chain to the, like you say, the commercial business side of the of the organisation, what would be your tactic, or what would be your advice for? What would be the tactic you would advise? There we go. What would be a tactic that you would advise for people to do that effectively? Have you seen again? Have you seen that been done well in the past? Yeah, I, I'm not saying you should necessarily go to the top to do that. I think there's probably a kind of not a chain of command as such, but there's a there's probably a a direct report that you can go to, or there's a um, there's a head of function, there's a performance director, director of football, rugby, cricket, whatever it might be that you can go and have the conversation with and you can do your research and you can plan it. Uh, and I guess this does kind of rely on you being good at your job. So I don't, <laughs> I think, <laughs> yeah. you know, you still need to add value and you still, um, you know, there's a, a gem, I think it's a German phrase of like, you're always, you're always the apprentice in your first company. So if you, some, unfortunately people who stay somewhere for a long time are underpaid. It's a fact across all industries. So Seven players as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you might have to move, and if you don't want to, there's a reality there. Um, and I think, but knowing your your value, knowing your worth, um, knowing the argument that you have for wanting to be paid more, 
is important. As I say, you, you, I mean, I, I see quite a lot of people talking about it a lot. Um, you know, it does seem an issue that's out there all the time. And I wonder how proactive people are doing about changing it. And, and you know, it's quite easy just to complain. Um, and it's really tough. I, I kind of, I can't believe sometimes what people get paid. And, 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 and wor- worse than that, you speak to somebody and you're just like this person's amazing. He he or he or she, she you know they've worked post university. They've got masters. They've you know they spent two years here, three years here. They've had a real impact, and they're still on thirty grand. And you're like, that doesn't seem that seems wrong. Equally, some of those people are really happy, you know. So pay isn't everything, but um, yeah, I don't I don't have the answer uh, yeah. cl- clearly, um, but. Yeah. <laughs> um, Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Pacey Performance Bite Size. So this clip came from David Slemon, who appeared on episode number 322, which you can check out in full on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. Big thanks to Rock Daisy for sponsoring this episode today, and I will chat to you soon.